You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. All right, welcome, welcome. So excited that you're here. As you guys are getting settled back in, would you grab a Bible? There are uh, some Bibles along the aisles, uh, as well as maybe under the chair somewhere. There's a bunch up here. Um, I feel like I'm at a wedding where everybody likes the bride, but nobody likes the groom. I don't know if that's normal. Uh, and then all the people on this side are like, they feel bad for the groom, so nobody sat in the side, so they just came over here anyway. Um, so uh, we're so excited that you're here. Uh, my name is Bill. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, and I'm really excited about this morning. This morning we're going to be diving into Philippians. So if you have a Bible, Philippians chapter 4. We're in the middle of our series, Joy, and we've been looking at what it means to find our joy in Christ alone, um, and to enjoy Him, and to treasure Him. And so, um, let's jump right in. I'm going to read the passage. I'm getting some feedback up here. I don't know if Sean's around. Um, Philippians 4, I'm going to start in verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say Rejoice. Let your reasonableness, or other translations, it says gentleness, be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for... Your word, I thank you for allowing us to come here today uh, to worship freely, to enjoy all that you have for us through your son Jesus, through the power of your Holy Spirit. And so God, I do pray that your Holy Spirit would change and transform and unite our hearts and our minds in you. And so God, right now, uh, God, these words that um, or in your word, God, I pray that they would be illuminated in our hearts, our minds. And God, I pray right now that you would remove me. Remove me from this moment so that way uh, we can hear your heart and your mind and your voice. So we love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Uh, so every year, uh, one of my mentors had suggested that I go before the Lord and seek the Lord for a word for my family for the year. Just something that the Lord would have me Um, really press in on with my family. And so in 2018, um, I was in the thick of of having three kids. So we had uh, adopted Hope, and then so we had Selah, and then Everly, and then we adopted Hope, and we were pregnant with Maya. So Maya was about to be born, and so I was like, all right, Lord, I need a word. Um, Give me a word. And, And I felt like the word he actually said in that moment was fun. I thought that was interesting, that he, he, that it was fun, because I felt like I was just going through the motions. I wasn't being super intentional with enjoying the season that my kids were in, um, having, you know, a bunch of kids in diapers, one about to come, that's going to, it just was going to, in my mind, going to be a mess, and I wasn't enjoying it. I felt like the Lord was like, have fun, enjoy this season, because it's fleeting, it's going to be gone before you know it. And so I did, I, I, I spent that year just really, every time I was uh, just complaining and whining about the craziness of life, I'd think, man, the Lord's called me to have fun in this moment with, with these kids and enjoy them. And then in uh, 2019, I felt like the word that the Lord gave me after having four girls now um, was the word gentleness, to be gentle. And so I sought the Lord, and I feel like I'm a fairly gentle person, um, but 
But I felt like the Lord was just pressing on my heart how much that my daughters needed me to be gentle with them, to, be, to really uh, guard their hearts and their minds. Because um, dads, we, we play a big role in shaping our kids. And um, as most of us may, may know, that, that daddy issues are very prevalent. Um, and so to, to really care for their hearts. And, and then 2020 rolled around. I went before the Lord. And the word he gave me was gentle. Again. <laughs> and I was like, now when you seek the Lord for a word and then he gives you one and then the next year you're like ready to get after it again and you're like, all right, yeah, I feel like I was pretty gentle this year. And he gives it to you again, you can feel pretty defeated. And so I felt like in 2021, I was just going to get a letter. I feel like he was like, okay, you couldn't handle a whole word. I'm just going to give you like A. Maybe you can get that done. Um, but when we realize that it's the Holy Spirit that transforms it. But what, why did the Lord say that again? Because gentleness is something that in our culture, um, we don't really lift up for men. Can I say that? To be a man and to have the responsibility and the weight of, of leading my family, um, gentleness is not on the top of the list for us. We have to be strong. We have to be courageous. right? We need to be able to do yard work. right? But then you say gentleness, and that's not necessarily at the top of our list, but it's at the top of God's list. And so for all of us, I feel like the Lord has, has a word. I know for me, as I was reading through this, just recognizing what, what it meant to be gentle. Let's look at this real quick. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, and here's why I'm saying gentle, because when the translators are translating words from Greek to English, sometimes they'll interchange different words for different meanings and different things. And I really do believe here that some of the other translations may be a little better than the ESV because they use the word gentle. It's the same word that we see in James 3.17 where it says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle. It's the same Greek word there as we see here in Philippians 4.4, 4, 4, 4.5. Um, and then it says open to reason. It's a different word there that, that James uses for reason. Um, so for here, I think we can get a little bit lost in what God's trying to speak to us uh, when we say reasonableness, I think gentleness is really at the heartbeat. So um, when we look at this passage, we see that um, other words in Scripture that's used to articulate gentleness, like when you're reading the passage on the fruit of the Spirit, and gentleness is, the, is a different Greek word there, that's really talking about an outward meekness or posture, whereas I, that this word actually talks more about a pressing, it's, it's pressing in on this state of the heart, the state of our hearts and how our hearts and the core of us are um, satisfied and delighting and trusting in God, which brings a gentleness to us. Let's look at this, right? Because it says, when I'm rejoicing in the Lord, then it makes my, my heart gentle. When I trust that the Lord is near, then, then gentleness becomes part of who I am internally. When I'm not being anxious all the time, then I'm more gentle. When I'm not taking the worries and the fear uh, of life to God first and foremost, and instead I'm dwelling on them, I'm festering on all the worries of what's next in work or what's next in a life or moving or all those things in my health, right? It's when that's festering and anxiety and I'm not taking to the Lord, then my heart is less gentle. My core is less gentle. And then the outside world sees something very differently. But I think that the Lord is trying to remind us that gentleness starts inward. It's a work of the Holy Spirit that starts inward that then overflows out of our lives. It impacts me at my core. 
So I want to talk about a couple of words here in the beginning part. Just break those down and then bring it right to application if I can. So rejoice. That's a big word there, right? And he says it twice. And so anytime the Bible says something twice, I really encourage us to really like double click on that. You know what that is? Right? We don't really do that much anymore with iPads. But double click is you have a mouse. You double click and then something else pops up, right? So when you see the word twice in Scripture, you want to double click on it. You want to see what it's saying here. So the Greek word here means to delight in God's grace. Delight in God's grace. Enjoying God in and through everything he has created. I love Genesis 1. I was, uh, another mentor of mine challenged me to journal for my kids. And so what I did was I got uh, Bibles for each one of my girls. And I'm going through and I'm writing to them. Hopefully getting through the four Bibles by the time they're married. That's my hope, right? To hand them, their, hand them a Bible when they're married. The stuff that I've been journaling and praying over them. And uh, Genesis 1 is where I started with Everly. And I just did this this week. And um, I saw this pattern that is so beautiful. It says, God spoke, and then there was. And then he said it was good. And that word good there is beautiful. God spoke, and it was. And it was beautiful. He creates all of creation with a word from his mouth. And then what does he do? He creates man and woman, humans. And then what does he do with the entirety of his creation? Genesis 1, starting verse 27, he gives it to man, gives it to woman to enjoy. And so I think that there's this beautiful picture here of delighting in God's grace that we can miss because God gives us his creation to enjoy him and that's why in the book of Romans, Paul is speaking against the church, and he, not against the church, but he's speaking to the church, and he's saying, you're delighting more in the creation rather than the creator, right? We can so easily and quickly enjoy food without enjoying God in that food, remembering that God was the one that created the food. Or we can enjoy our, our family or the things that we have without actually bringing glory to God. And so right here, what I believe he's reminding us, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I said rejoice. He's trying to focus our hearts and our minds on God through what God has created for us, for us to enjoy. And so he's, he's lifting us up and he's saying, enjoy, delight in the grace that I have given you. What is that grace? Well, first, it's, it's the creation that he has blessed us with. Second, it's the beauty of the gospel. It's the fact that we were separated from him because of our sin, and he restored that relationship because of a work that Jesus did on the cross, not because of anything you and I have done, delighting in God's grace. And so he uses this word rejoice, and then he says, in the Lord. And that word Lord there is very specific in the Greek. Do you know that we say trust in the Lord, as trust in God as your Lord and Savior, trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And then in our culture today, one of the things I think we've done, especially with uh, millennials or like, you know, maybe 35 and under, is what we've done in this generation as we've really pushed Savior at the forefront, right? God has saved me from my sin. But what's taken a back burner is this word Lord. If you actually look at Scripture, all the times that the Bible references Jesus in the New Testament between um, Lord and Savior... It appear, Lord and Savior appears 640 times about. Only 24 of them are Savior. 
the majority of them are Lord. So why have we taken Lord and put it to a backseat of Savior when, when what Lord means here is he's our master? Some them, someone that we would bend a knee to. Someone who is a king who gives a law to be followed for the good of his people. So we're great at being like, man, he's my savior, right? He, he saved me from my sins. He's restored me from my soul. But then when it comes to the things he's invited us to partake in and do, we're like, well, I don't want to delight in the law. But don't we realize that the law, the word, it became flesh and dwelt among us? That God gave us the law to enjoy him? So what we're seeing all of a sudden is we, we, we start bending our knees to all sorts of things in this world and we make them our Lord instead of God. We could say money, work, addiction, right? We'll, we'll uh, serve, let's say it a different way, all of those things. But then when it comes to God and his law, we, we want to be like, oh no, it's all about grace. It's all about grace. It is all about grace. And that grace leads us to delight in God and what he says is good. See, what, in Genesis 3, one of the things that, that we transition from Genesis 1 to Genesis 3 where, where God says, I give you all of creation, is that the devil comes in, and what does he say to Eve? Comes in the form of a serpent, and he looks at Eve, and he said, did God really say that you couldn't enjoy any of the trees of the garden? What does he do there? He belittles everything that God has given for his, our good and his glory. And the one thing that God told him to do is, hey, there's this one tree that's not good for you. There's this one thing in the middle that's not good for you. Stay away from it. And he belittled everything that God had given them and said, he said you couldn't enjoy any of that? And Eve's like, oh, no, 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 we can. We're just not allowed to go over here. And then he begins to work and deceive her to believing that God is holding out on her, on us. That's what sin does. Because when God says sex inside a marriage is good, we gotta remember, he's the one who created it. Right? He said, be fruitful and multiply. He told us to enjoy it. But then he says, outside of marriage, it is not good. And we say, God's withholding from us. He doesn't want us to enjoy life. And all of a sudden, we look at the Bible and says, money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's it. God tells me not to be, you know, enjoy my money. You gotta go live, you know, out under a bridge somewhere if I'm really gonna know Jesus. No, 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 no. See, we, we begin to distort what the law is saying. That's what the Pharisees did. That's why when Jesus came, he spoke against the Pharisees. Because they would take the law, what was good, and they made it into a religion. But God didn't come to establish a religion, he came to restore a relationship. So when God says to me to, to give up my life to love my wife, that's good. And that's only going to bring me blessing. Husbands, it's only going to bring you blessing when you, when you sacrifice your wants, your desires, for that of your wife. And to serve her and love her well. But what do we do? We do the complete opposite. And we think, oh, God's withholding from us. God doesn't care about me. God, it's, it's so me-centric, me-focused. And so he's saying, delight in the Lord, his power, his authority, See, my biggest issue that I have is that I tend to bow my knee. One, I'll just be transparent and tell you my biggest struggle. To myself. You want to know why I'm not gentle with the people around me? 
It's because everybody else inconveniences me. Just me? Why do I get upset, frustrated? Why do I not serve those around me? Why do I not love others well? It's because I've placed myself on the throne. And I've bowed my knee to myself and said, I'm the ultimate authority. I'm the ultimate king. I'm the ultimate Lord. And when I do that, I begin to worship myself. And then anybody else who's not doing that deserves to be smoked. I don't even know if that's a word. But that's what we do. We think that the entirety of the universe revolves around who? Me. If the sun gave way to the earth as the center of our, of our galaxy, everything would go into chaos. Earth's gravitational pull and strength is not strong enough to hold everything in place. Neither am I. But somehow, I've convinced myself that I'm rejoicing in myself and what I can do versus what the Lord wants to do. So he's saying, no, 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 no. Rejoice in the Lord. The devil wants me to think that, he's, that God is hindering my happiness. But God is for my happiness. He's created all things. All things for me to enjoy him in and through those things. But I've missed that. I've missed that piece. So he says, rejoice in the Lord always. That's a big word there. Want to know what the Greek means there? Always. There you go. You could write it next to it. Everything, in all circumstances, in everything that we, we do and everything we, we uh, give our lives to, rejoice in the Lord always. So what are some of the, the points of hindrance to these things? Paul, Paul, all throughout the book of Philippians, is pointing out these hindrances to joy. In uh, chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, right before this, he talks about this conflict in the church between two ladies. These two ladies are having conflict with one another. And what does he say to them? He says, I entreat you to agree in the Lord. I asked you to help these women who had labored by my side in the gospel together, remembering that my name is to be made great. So rejoice in me. Stop fighting with one another. He points out in chapter 1, verse 28, a conflict that comes from outside the church to inside the church. And so he's pointing out conflict inside the church, conflict outside the church, both hindering joy. He's talking about his own imprisonment in chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Paul is unjustly um, being imprisoned. I think we have to uh, remember the context here because it's so interesting. This is kind of the end of a letter that Paul is just kind of wrapping up here. And in his wrapping up, he is sitting in a prison writing down a word, a letter to a church whom he loves. These are very important words. And think about if you were sitting in a prison, if these were the words that would be coming up on your mind. I don't think it would be mine. What does he say? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known. If I'm in prison, I'm not being gentle. Right? I think if in prison, I've got to be like the tough guy, right? You've got to beat up the biggest guy when you first get to prison, right? Isn't that the rule? Like once you get there, you're supposed to beat up the biggest person so that no one messes with you. I don't know. Maybe I watched too many movies. But he's talking about his own imprisonment in, in, verses, in chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, saying this shouldn't hinder my joy just because I'm in prison unjustly. When anybody does something wrong against you that you don't deserve, man, that makes me furious. Paul continually over and over again experienced that. He was unjustly imprisoned. He was flogged unjustly. 
yet he didn't lose his joy. It didn't hinder his joy. Uh, he talks about in uh, chapter 3, verse 21, the aging human body. Anybody else experiencing that? The aging human body, he says, uh, he will transform our lowly body to be like his and his glorious body. So I could like rest that as I'm getting older and things are hurting more and I've been, last week my neck has just been hurting, I could think, all right, Lord, this, this world is not my home. This body is not mine forever. That I'm going to get a, a, a heavenly body, right? One that is glorified, that's going to experience no more pain, no more hurt. But my body can become a hindrance to my joy. Sickness. COVID. And then in Luke 10, 19 and 20, he even points out success. He's talking to the, the, the uh, in Luke, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's like, do not rejoice that the spirits are subject to you. They go out and they start um, casting out all sorts of demons and stuff from people. All the spirits, he start, they start casting them out and they have like this authority that God has given them through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, don't rejoice in the fact that you can... Um, have the, sub, the Spirit subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He says, don't rejoice in the power that I've given you or the su- su- success that you have, but actually rejoice that I've called you by name to be my son, to be my daughter, to enjoy me. And then in verses 6, he talks about anxiety. Anybody struggling with that these days? I didn't start, I didn't understand anxiety um, Till COVID hit. I don't know why that is, but in those first three weeks when like everything started unraveling, I couldn't sleep. I didn't want to eat. My heart would pound at night. And all of a sudden, all of my friends and family members that had dealt with anxiety began to make sense to me. It became more and more real, realizing what this inner turmoil meant, what it was. And he's saying, do not be anxious about anything, but... In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He's talking about discontentment. The discontentment that we experience, right? The, the opposite of thankfulness will be discontentment. And so what's going on here? Well, I think that to culminate all of this, it's the power of our gentleness, the power of how we would let uh, our gentleness be made known to all people around us is finding the power of that in our joy in Christ alone. I know that's kind of a generic statement, that we would find joy in Christ alone. But we are going to continue to search over and over and over and over again for things that satisfy the deepest parts of our souls. We live in a culture that's saying we get to choose who we are, what we be, what we identify as. When God, in his sovereignty, in his love, in his mercy, in his grace, formed each and every one of us in our mother's wombs, He's given us our gifts, our abilities, our personalities, our gender, and he's said to us, this is good. I've created you for this. And although sometimes our mind wages war with that, he's saying, you will find joy in who I have created you. And look at what he says. Rejoice in the Lord, not what he has given you. The Lord is near. The peace of God. And then he uses in Jesus Christ. That Jesus, in his love, when he died and rose again, he wrapped us in himself. That we are in him and we are secure. That we can't lose our salvation. That we can't lose the love of God through Jesus Christ. And so the power 
of our gentleness comes from God alone, finding joy in Christ alone. And the conduit to that gentleness is prayer and supplication. Let's look at that. Verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Prayer. This is a real conversation with God. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, um, and we were sitting there, and we were talking about prayer, and, and we were talking about even relationships with one another, and it's so easy for us in prayer to blanket statement certain things without actually going into it. So if I was angry, I'm like, hey God, I confess or I'm sorry for um, being angry uh, at Lauren. But if I actually begin to process the emotions and what led up to that, there's so much more that would begin to come out as I'm actually sitting before God because he is here, he's in our midst, and having a conversation with him like I'd have a conversation with Tim. Say, God, I was angry at Lauren. She said this, and it it hurt me. And it hurt me because I really try to please her. But it's not because I want to bring you glory. It's because I want everybody around me to think that I'm a good husband. And so I'm really pleasing people, not pleasing you. And so I'm almost, I'm wearing this mask. And, And my anger is really coming from the fact that, man, I gave my whole morning to, to just junk that I shouldn't have really given my attention on. And all of a sudden, when you begin to have a real conversation with God, that prayer begins to be this conduit that connects us to the power of God. That's why in Matthew 6, 7, Jesus is telling his disciples, stop heaping up empty phrases. So easy for us to, in prayer, just be heaping up these empty phrases. Oh God, I'm sorry for being angry. Sorry for lust. I'm sorry for this. When we should have a real conversation with God. And then supplication. I love what the word supplication means. It means to be in want, to lack. I don't like to admit when I'm in want, when I'm lacking. But that's what supplication is, to go before God and to recognize I don't have it all together. I haven't figured this all out. So when we do this, the peace of God guards, contains, protects our heart and mind in Christ. So my quick response is to bypass God to find power in everything but God. So look at the way, there's two mirror statements in 5 and 6. Look at them. It says, let your gentleness, the strength of your heart, let your gentleness be known to all people. Then in verse 6, he says, let your request be made known to God. I am way quicker to let my request be made known to all people and not to be made known to God. I usually flip those things. And so it's kind of like this, and, and, and it's just an analogy, but if this power cord is the, the conduit of prayer and supplications with thanksgiving that we get to make known to God, what I tend to do is I make those requests known to man, right? There is no power in anything in this world to plug this in. This, nothing, nothing, no, I'm not going to plug in the Bible, right? Nothing in this world will give me power. So what do I do? I make my requests, my supplications with thanksgiving be made known to God, the source of power, and he will let the peace of God shine through my heart and my life and my mind. That's what overflows. And so what I tend to do, and this is me, is I tend to complain and I tend 
to voice my frustrations, and I tend to um, <clears throat> let it be known when I feel like I'm being wronged. But what does God invite me to do? He invites me to go to him, first and foremost. And if I go to him, and I rejoice in the Lord always, I rejoice, and I give him my anxiety, and I give him my fear, and I give him my hopelessness, and I give him my pain, and I give him my sin, and I give him my hurt, and I give him my shame, then he will give me my joy. And that joy will make gentleness overflow from my heart and my mind. And we can wage war against this all we want. That doesn't mean it's not true. And so here's, here's my hope, my desire, as we go to the Lord and as we seek these things and as we even sometimes really, really screw this up, that we would find hope and joy and peace in God and God alone. That we would delight in Him and His joy as our power, as the source of all that we are and all that we have. Because this world is not our home. Everything is fleeting. But God, being rich in mercy, has given us his son, the word made flesh, to be our Lord, to lead us in his ways. And so the call or the invitation is not to gentleness. We can't manifest that. That's what we try to do, right? We try to, try to manufacture gentleness. No, the call is to go before the Lord and enjoy him and delight in him. And as we are delighting in the Lord, as we are enjoying the Lord, then he will overflow these things in and through us. And our reasonableness, our gentleness will be made known to all people. Not because of anything that we can do or manifest in and of ourselves. If we make it, it's fake. God makes it through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is real and it is good. And it will be made known to all people. And when all people know it, who will they know? They will know that Mark's a really cool guy. No, they will know him. They will know God because he is real and he is good. And he loves you exactly where you are right now. Can I pray for us? Jesus, I thank you for the ability that we have to rest in you, God. And I know that there are... Um, so many things, God, that, we, that hinder our joy. There's so many things, God, that, that confuse us, God, and, and the devil is hard after us. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And in a culture that is telling us that we can do what we want and how we want, a culture that has submitted itself to uh, the ways of Satan as their Lord, the deceiver, the one who has said that we can be our own God. God, I pray that you would reorient our hearts and our minds. But God, we know that you're the only one that can do that. God, we can't convince our kids that you are real. We can't convince our neighbors or our coworkers that you are real. But what we can do is we can enjoy you in such a way that we are delighting, delighting in the goodness of all that you are. And as we are delighting in you, God, that you would be made known to all people around us. So God, we love you. We thank you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.
Uh, before I get off, there's, um, there's a movie scene that just popped into my mind. I know not many of us have seen it, but do you know the movie Hook? Uh, it's a movie that is uh, Robin Williams, and he becomes Peter Pan. I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but he's an old man, and he forgets that he's Peter Pan. And then he ends up in Neverland, where he's sitting with the Lost Boys, this group of boys that are in this made-believe world. And uh, he's sitting at a table, and all of these boys are sitting there, and they're uh, eating this food that's on the table, but he doesn't see the food. And so they're like opening up these dishes and these plates, and he's starving. And, and they're just shoving their faces. And I, there's this one kid that like takes this like fake sandwich, and he's like, <sighs> and they're, I mean, they're just stuffing their face. And Robin Williams is sitting there, and he's just looking at him, he's like, what's happening? Right? I don't see what you guys are eating. I don't see what you're enjoying. Like, this makes no sense to me. But as he's sitting there and he's watching them enjoy and delight in this make-believe food, he begins to hunger and crave what they have and what he doesn't. Sometimes I think that we think it's our role to convince people that God is real or convince people that they have to believe in God. And we spend too little time enjoying God for ourselves. And towards the end of the scene, as he's watching them, he just begins to like crave what they have so much that he, he ends up getting into a fight with one of the guys and so he takes a spoon and he like goes like this inside a bowl that has nothing in it. And he looks at him and he like goes to fling this like air basically at this other guy. And then all of a sudden, everything on the table became real to him. And he began to see the truths that were, that were in front of him, which is that there really was food there. And it was because everybody around him was the lighting in this stuff. And, and that's our role as believers. Our role as believers is not to try to use our wit or our intellect to convince people of something, but to enjoy God in such a way that as we're enjoying and delighting in Him and rejoicing in the Lord always, that people will begin to go, man, I want what you have. And that's my hope for my kids. That they will see me in prayer and reading my Bible because I enjoy it, not because I have to. That my neighbors and my coworkers, that they will enjoy God with me. And so instead of trying to um, convince people with, with all these grand and big Greek words. Let's enjoy Jesus in front of them and delight in Jesus with them. And as we do that, I do believe that God will make himself real to every man, woman, and child that's around us as we delight in the Lord. So can we do that? Can we enjoy Jesus together even right now as we worship? I think it is contagious. I think as we are singing, as the person next to you is singing, it's much uh, easier for me to sing. Um, when people around me are raising their hands to the Lord, and if that's if you're new to church and you're like, man, people raise their hands, that's weird. Um, I want you to picture a little kid that when they come up to their daddy and they go like this and pick me up, that's very similar to the posture that we have when we're, we're raising our hands in worship. So we're just reaching out for the Lord to enjoy him. And so I just encourage you to partake in the goodness of worship through music at this time. Would you stand with us?